It's a tale as old as time. The warrior king, the evil uncle, Viking Lady Macbeth, the OG Hamlet, and tripping on shrooms with Willem Dafoe. Tonight, we're talking about Robert Eggers' psychedelic Viking epic, The Northman. I will drink you lager. I will sip you pilsner. I will chug you malt liquor. Skull. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the 185th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the internet's number one bad movie and good beer podcast that's rated by Naked Viking Berserkers. I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight for the second installment in our Hops and Massive 2022 Flop series, where we're reviewing movies that flopped hard last year so strap on your loincloths and prepare to get weird with the northman joining me on this episode tonight is the 2022 not leaker player of the year the thunderous wizard i expected quite a bit more from murder quidditch but you know so it goes i mean that was uh that was quite the sport but whatever and tonight we're also joined by the pod's resident psychedelic furry ritual expert, Captain Cash. Prove to me you are a man. Not only are you a man, you dine like you eat nothing but Taco Bell. That's uh, that's fair and accurate. Wow. You are a wizard, Harry. And we also have the noseless one himself, Boing Blake. Do we eat the mushrooms now, or do we have to wait until later? Oh, no. They take like 20 minutes to kick in. That was a... You had to prep. So oh, get well, on. This should be fun. Okay. Okay. Just try to keep up. I'm just trying to say, you talking penguins are pretty great. I can't wait till this podcast starts. <laughs> 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 the berries taste like berries. As always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can download us anywhere the finest podcasts can be found. And don't forget to check us out on Wobam Entertainment at Wobam E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram for all your Old Norse and Bjork-inspired pop culture needs. And gentlemen, before we get into this film, let's talk about some beer. Because I think Vikings would enjoy it, and we're going to need it for this movie. And for a Viking movie, I found us a Viking beer. I got us the Einstock Beer Company's Icelandic White Ale. It is a wheat beer that pours a light wheat yellow with a couple fingers of light whitehead. And it's got a bit of a fruity smell, um, but the taste is herbal and you get some citrus and hops notes um, on the back end, which I do find to be quite pleasant. And it's basically, you know, your Icelandic blue moon. Uh, it checks in with a Captain Cash disappointing 5.2 ABV, but that does make it very crushable. So for a Belgium-style uh, wheat beer, which is not my favorite variety, I'm going to give this a two bad movie rating. 
And again, gentlemen, skull. I will give it points. Uh, I very rarely encounter a wit beer above like 4%. So I mean, it's yeah. a higher octane wit. And it's it's really not bad. It's it's not um, as sweet as Blue Moon, which I think helps. It kind of mellows it out, and you do get that herbal note to it. So, I mean, it's, again, not my bag, but, uh, yeah, two bad movies. Anyway, let's move on to the tale of the tape here. The Northman was Robert Eggers' third film, coming after 2015's The Vich, and 2019's The Lighthouse, which I did watch in preparation for the pod. And boy, that's a trip. Um, the former was both a critical <clears throat> and financial success, and the latter was a critical darling. Sadly, The Northman was pretty much neither. It was released in April of last year to mixed to positive reviews, but it failed to bring home the bacon at the box office. Uh, the all-in budget was upwards of $90 million, that's almost 10 times the budget of the lighthouse. So that's a big step up for Eggers. Uh, anyway, and it pulled in just shy of 70 million worldwide at the box office. So yeah, that's a bit of a flop, especially and, compared to his two previous films. Yeah. Part of it was because they filmed this during quarantine, right? Like the plan was yeah. to shoot this in 2020 and then oops. Yeah. Uh, pandemic. It added like uh, I'd say twenty-ish million to the total cost, all yeah. in, according to some reports. That but still, it, it would have been like sixty or so million even without COVID. So, yeah, it was going to be it was going to be tight either way. Uh, but when it was released in April of uh, <clears throat> 2022, its biggest competition at the box office was the Bad Guys and the unbearable weight of massive talent. Welcome back to the pod. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, now, for the record, the Northman outperformed the unbearable weight of massive talent, thanks to the international numbers, but both were crushed by the family-friendly animated DreamWorks film, which pulled in a cool $250 bucks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of rough when you get stomped by a mid-tier animated family film, but whatever uh both those movies were way more entertaining than this let's just gonna put that out there so <laughs> i mean pedro pascal come on i'm on the record as saying that i would watch three hours of just nick cage and pedro pascal having fun so i mean <laughs> yeah i like uh yeah. no i mean i like now... this movie and I know some people have said, like, oh, that's the problem when this released. The demographic was split between those two films, but uh, neither one did great. And even if you give all of one's box office to the other, it doesn't, they still don't really yeah, do exactly. all that I well. Mean, it's a bit of a moot point, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I, I agree. T dubs, you were not wrong. Two of those movies are a lot fun, or a lot more fun, that is, than the other. But anyway, uh, now, contrary to some uh, opinions on the pod, uh, since we don't have Mary McCheese here, I don't have to defend my point that much, but uh, there wasn't really a lot of behind-the-scenes drama here. Uh, Eggers did feel some pressure to keep the suits happy uh, on a big-budget picture, so he self-censored some nudity that he wanted in the film, which is all full-frontal male nudity, for the record. The and best guy. more dicks. Right, and uh, he was he was kind of salty about not having like the final uh, say over the of the edit. You know, he was... Uh, he wasn't locked out of the editing room per se, but he 
he didn't have final say. Again, I think that's kind of a that's a bit of a red herring because the way this movie was shot, according to the reports that I've read, uh, Edgar shot most of the scenes as long single shots, opting for just like three or four takes of any given scene. So in most cases, that meant there wasn't much left to really edit in or out of the film. It's basically that's it. He shot what he wanted. He did a few takes of each scene and that was it. So to say that like there was some big you know studio edit to this, it sounds like it wouldn't be true. You know how I know this isn't some big studio edit? Because this movie is weird as fuck. And, and it's, it's not and it's commercial slow. at all. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it is 100% a Robert Eggers movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that, I wouldn't say that's, I mean. I'd say that's a good thing. That might be uh, yeah. my favorite part about this thing. I mean, it's definitely interesting in that regard. I, I will say this. This is not my weird. favorite. It's great for that. Not my favorite movie. I don't hate it. But it's much more entertaining to me than if it's just some commercial, stereotypical yeah. period Gladiator. piece garbage. Yeah, not no Gladiator's a great movie, but there's been a yeah, lot. Yeah, but of that's like, but that's a very straightforward bad though. like Hollywoodized period pieces, like the yeah. remake of Ben Hur or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this movie tries to do a thing, and it probably does it, but that thing just didn't make money. But anyway, for the record, Eggers has said that he'd rather stick to smaller movies in the future, trading away the big budget for more control. So good on him. Although I'll say this, out of his three movies, I've watched all three of them now. Uh, I did like this better than The Lighthouse because I felt like at least the story was somewhat more straightforward and easy to follow. But this is actually a step down from The Witch, in my opinion. That was a great small psychological horror movie, and this this has some similar elements, but it doesn't do any of them better. Now, back to the point about the nudity, I I, I do have to say this: um, as much as he wanted to have more nudity in the film, there's two big scenes he wanted. He wanted the berserker scene early in the film. He wanted some of those guys to be naked because I guess that was historically accurate. But honestly. I, the studio never asked him to cut that. He self-censored that because um, he thought, oh, that's pushing it too much. Now, I guess it's true that he did want the final fight scene in the film to be to have both uh, characters nude. Um, and, the, and the studio said, no, you, you, you can't have like the last scene in the movie with two guys with dongs flopping out fighting. And he had to concede. And he's a little, that's why he shot that as dark as he did or whatever. More on that later. But honestly, I don't think male nudity is what made this film commercially unsuccessful, unless it was going to be Willem Dafoe hanging Don, because that that would have made money. I would have paid money to see some Dafoe Don. I'm just saying. Okay, two thoughts here. One, you cannot have Willem Dafoe hang Don because reputedly his dong is so large as to be distracting. That's the point, man. That's the moneymaker right there. Though, in fairness, that actually might help the scene. Two... this movie gets better if the final fight is just two naked dudes at a volcano. Uh, and you could see it. That would help. That would help uh, too. Do you think Robert Eggers just sits at home in like a barca lounger watching Eastern Promises and like, look at all the sweet dick I could have had in my movie. There was, there was plenty so of room. See, see, the problem is Eggers just needs to get a couple more like solid films under his belt to get that Cronenberg cred. And then you can get get Viggo Mortensen dong in it. That's movies. true. Yeah. Unless well, you've got like four or five 
bona fides under your, you know, in your resume. Bona-fides. You can't just have, uh, <laughs> yeah, can't have Come people on. doing crescent kicks with no pants on. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Oh, wow. I think we're on to something here, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, the Northman currently sits at 89% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score lower at 64%. The Metacritic scores are similar at 82 and 7.2. And frankly, I'm not shocked by these lower audience scores. I mean, this movie is not easily digestible, and it's tough to classify. I mean, do you guys agree? Yeah, it's, it's hard to put your finger on, right? Like, uh, yeah. What 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 is it? Is it is it that true period piece action flick like Gladiator? Definitely not. No. Is it like a like a historical drama where we get like more real history? Like, kinda until there's weird Sorta? magic and. And talking heads, like I don't know, Captain Cash. Yeah, no, uh, that's the whole thing. This is somewhere between psychedelic fever dream and semi, like historically accurate crazy. Like I, it's as well, the Thunder Wizard said, this isn't a commercial film. This is someone's passion project. Clearly, yeah. And I, I guess my my thing when I watch this is that you're asked to get into this world and follow this main character because this movie has a clear main character, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a clear POV, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, the world building is relatively weak. Like, it's, it's well, it just, it, I mean, the, the, the high fantasy stuff and the fantasy elements, they're fine. It's standalones, but it never quite weaves together where you, you fully understand what's going on and the, there's time jumps. Like I think you know, you really hit on it, uh, uh, Doctor Bling. Is this a pure action flick? No. Is it a period piece drama? No. I, my biggest gripe here is this movie's more vibe than even just like a straightforward hero's journey. Like again, it's, we're given a clear main character, but like it's hard to follow him. Yeah, I I think the director really asks a lot of us as the audience, like. They, he, he drops us just into this story at different points along the way. And we're supposed to just kind of like understand who everybody is and, you know, what's going on. Or at least he's being intentionally vague about it. And yeah. so, yeah, you, you don't really know exactly what's going on. And I think you're supposed to feel like a fish out of water, like some uncomfortable observer to all of this, which goes with a lot of the vibe that that he puts forward. Yeah. So I don't know if it's intentional or just one of those things where you're like, either you're you're an evil genius or a complete idiot. And I'm not sure which one it is. It's, yeah. uh, it's like somebody gave Ken Burns $90 million to make a documentary about Vikings, but then he didn't explain to you why they do any of this weird shit. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it, right? Like, like why? Like, like, okay, they're Vikings and they're wearing the, the, the wolf pelts and they're going in a circle chanting, but I don't understand why make no mistake there's like six characters in this movie that don't actually exist but you're just supposed to know that because we all just exhaustively research vikings for no fucking reason yeah yeah (laughs) i mean as someone who exhaustively researches vikings for no fucking reason i got it every time they're berserkers that's what berserkers do yes but he also goes and talks to two fake witch people is told about a magical sword that's not actually magical so like you actually have to I mean, know a lot about which, Vikings to understand which, why a guy has a severed head of a guy he knew when he was a kid and how that head can talk to him. Well, that's, you, I mean, wait, have you, have you well, not read Hamlet? It's yeah, Yorick. I mean, that's Yorick. <laughs> wait, I mean, we know it, that we, I forgot to put this in my notes. Is anybody else 
a little bit mind blown when they look at Hamlet's name and realize it's just Hamlet with the H at the end. So if you take the H off the end and put it in the front. Like suddenly Hamlet. Shakespeare is the laziest writer you've I'm ever like, known. I'm like, Listen. God damn it. Oh, yeah. fuck. That, that, my brain broke when I saw that. It's like pig Latin with like one fewer step. Yeah. Oh my God. Pig Latin, but easier to decipher. Yeah. No, but I mean, I get it. You got Odin's ravens and, and there's all sorts of like Wait, there, mythology. There, there was ravens in here. I couldn't tell. Cause he only used more of them than John Woo uses doves for Pete's sake. Like give yeah. me a break. How many times you got to tell us about this goddamn metaphor? I get it. His dad was the Raven King. I understand. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's just not satisfying, though. It's like, hey, Viking reference. I researched this. But yeah, anyway. Look at this really boring game that is sort of, <laughs> like, that was, where they just he, walk at each other really slowly and then wrestle. No, I, I absolutely did not get that. Like, I don't get sports in general, but that in particular felt like it didn't really have a place here. No, that, that's not fair, Captain Cash, but that might be the, there's two extremely weak scenes in the movie. That is one of them because it's wholly unnecessary and it it makes little to no sense other than saying like oh look viking game i i looked this up in a book uh and then there's also that fight scene later when he gets he beats everybody up and then they pause and the goons regroup and then they kick his ass it's the weirdest well, fight scene I've ever seen in a movie. That's now, for a right, reason, but it's just really poorly choreographed. He's, right, he wants yeah. her to get away. That's why he sacrifices himself there. But it is just, it's absolute shit choreography. Well, and it makes because, me mad. Because the funny thing about that scene, and I'll bring it up later. Let's let's keep moving. I don't want to get uh, hung up there. But that, to me, those two scenes stick out as being relatively weak. And a film that probably could have used a little trimming. But anyway, The Northman runs uh, just over two hours at 136 minutes. It is rated R, and you can find it streaming for free on Amazon Prime or elsewhere for $3.99. Now, gentlemen, this does bring us to our one-liners for the film. I'm going to go first. The Princess Bride 2, colon, Beowulf Begins. Well, that's oh, I'm glad you included colon in it because yeah. uh, this movie's shit. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I didn't really feel that way, but it was just too good to pass up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll take I, it. I would say for a film that features a man and his son lapping up weird liquids like dogs, grown men howling at the moon before they go murder a bunch of people, and a naked fight atop a volcano. Shouldn't be this boring. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair, Captain Cash. What do you say? I like again, I like this movie. It's a mm-hmm. Viking fever dream. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't have a it joke. Is. No, it's, I mean, it really is. Dr. Blake, what do you have for us? Have you guys seen Hamlet on weed? <laughs> that's, uh, no, that checks out. No, that's fair. It absolutely does. Wow. Okay. For the record, this is what IMDb says. A young Viking prince is on a quest to avenge his father's murder. I mean, it's not wrong. It's just not wrong. It's one sentence. And it's that's the movie. But there's a lot more going on. Yeah, there's just a little bit more than that. Yeah. But I mean, Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about how how weird the story is. Maybe that's it. They were just like, I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, it was like the bike is going to go avenge his dad. Let's just call it a day. Let's move on. I mean, Mm -hmm. the whole reason this movie almost made 
70 million dollars is because that's what people thought it was and then they saw it and they're like yeah that wasn't bad but wasn't really wasn't really that well, I, guess, I guess that's in there but between game of thrones and the vikings tv show there theoretically was a built-in audience for this type of viking epic there's been all kinds of Viking crap that's come out in the last yeah. four or five years. But this movie is not a straightforward action type period piece no. hero's journey. It's yeah. Which is I mean, yeah, that's probably why it didn't make more money. But anyway, uh, you know, as we've already said, the director was Robert Eggers. Uh, he co-wrote the film with Icelandic writer and frequent Bjork collaborator, Sean. I think that's how you say his name. It's a S-J-O-N, probably some umwats in there or something. But anyway, and uh, those two were introduced while Eggers was vacationing in Iceland by Bjork herself. Like, apparently they were just like, hey, you should meet my friend. He, he's a cool guy. And, you know, the way this movie came to be effectively is that uh, Eggers was interested in doing a Viking movie. So was the star, uh, which we've kind of skipped over, Alexander Skarsgård, or is it Keith or Sutherland? I, I can't. Is that Skarsgård? No. Keith Scar- was never that jack. Skarsgård. 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 This is Skarsgård. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he was already involved in a Viking movie that, that that didn't pan out. So somehow he and Eggers met up. No, dude, Viking movie? Viking movie. Let's do it, bro. And then, and then Edgar's is like, dude, I got this Icelandic guy. Like, he'll help us out. And here we are. Why don't they, you dicks get together with me and be like, Viking movie, Viking movie? I, God damn. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, based on the none of us are billionaires. Out, that would help. I don't think Skarsgård's a billionaire. Well, Nobody knows some. Yeah, that's probably. I mean, good. anybody who becomes friends with Bjork, they got a lot of sway in Iceland. You can get right. shit done there. Basically, that's right. Green. Yeah, I mean, she's like, she's like their Lady Gaga. Uh, but anyway, the main cast consists of the non-Pennywise Skarsgård is Amleth, uh, uh, you know, which is the main character of the film. And then we get Ethan Hawke as his dad. We have Nicole BMX Bandits Kidman as his mother. We get Clay's Bang as the evil uncle. We get uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as Olga. And then we also get Willem Dafoe and Bjork in supporting roles as witchy seer types. And fun fact, gentlemen, and for the first time, maybe in the history of the pod, this is actually a fun fact. Uh, we do get two of the three actors that played the mountain from Game of Thrones in small parts as well. I don't know if you guys caught that. I, I did not that. catch it. Um, Was yeah. half Thor Bjornsson in this or not? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think I, I think we get that. I think we get like the first and third third mountains or something i don't know but one of the guys is like a seven foot tall basketball player and he is the mound zombie and then the really big jack whatever the one you said there, the bodybuilder. Cash, yeah the bodybuilder guy he plays the bad guy during the viking football game oh, i didn't even recognize him at all yeah. no he looked kind of chubby and dumpy in that I think it was like the full the full bushy beard too. The beard, but. Yeah, and he was wearing a burlap sack. The fact that uh, it was they, they never had, showed his face either. They had Hagrid and Murder Quidditch, and he wasn't using his magical powers again. Yeah. Come on, what yeah, are we doing right. here? Yeah, yeah, that was a again weird weird break for the movie to take. So I'm going to try to get to this plot summary as quickly as possible. I probably wrote too much, but this is kind of a fun movie to talk about. But I think that also is probably one of its biggest sins. 
It sounds cooler than it really was. Um, at its heart, this movie is a classic revenge tale a la The Gladiator, The Lion King, and the obvious exiled son avenging the murder of his father by a relative comparison, Dune. I mean, come on, right? Fair, but it feels like Amleth does all his most jihadi murder stuff while he's with the other folks. Rather but he, he gets exiled with the... Oh, yeah, whatever. yeah, no, it's fair. The Fremen. I don't, I don't want to tell you. Uh, and, and oh, sure, as we mentioned earlier, there is that whole Shakespeare thing, too. But anyway, uh, Amleth is the son of a Scandinavian warrior king who prepares him for manhood by tripping balls with his weird friend and doing furry stuff. The young Amleth witnesses his uncle, Fjornir, kill his father, but manages to escape his uncle's men and vows to avenge his father, save his mother, and kill his uncle. And folks, that's the movie right there. And we could probably just stop. And that's yeah, pretty much I mean, what happens. Does There's those stuff things. in there. The end. There's stuff in between, but the end. I feel <laughs> like he should have vowed to take acting classes. I yeah, I think there's a lot of choices made in that subdued. A lot of the acting in this movie is very subdued. I won't say it's bad. Personally, it's pretty bad. Ethan Hawke was pretty bad. I loved his accent. I, I don't know. There's yeah. accents in this movie that simply disappear at parts. It, well, also, I, I think it's kind of funny in a movie that's like this, you know, historically accurate, quote unquote, that like, I can't verify. Is that what they should have sounded like? I don't know. But I enjoyed his performance Tough because call. I do think I do think that he was trying to show bravado there because he definitely knew his brother was banging his wife. More on that later. <clears throat> uh, from there, Amleth gets jacked joins a viking clan bjork tells him to follow a fox and he learns his uncle has lost the kingdom and moved to iceland he then disguises himself as a slave and hops on a ship conveniently headed to his uncle's farm that makes no sense but don't worry about it once on the farm he learns his mom has married his uncle gross and now has a half-brother cousin a magic fox and a man witch tells Almuth of a sweet uncle-killing sword guarded by a zombie in the field just over there, which uh, he uh, claims quite easily. Then there's a Viking sports ball scene. Amleth saves his brother cousin and wins the game, which earns him a middle management job on the farm and a wife. Olga, uh, the witchy chick we met from the slave ship, she's just a poorly written love interest. Don't worry and, about it. And I mean, also... The reason she is in slavery is because of him, too. <laughs> yeah, kind of? she just immediately is like, look, let's be best friends and lovers. Like, well, I mean, I kind of yeah. got the sense that she's pragmatic. She's like, look, and he took his shirt off. Yeah, this yeah. is a good way to not die, and you can <laughs> yeah. do worse. But I'm yeah. hitching my horse she, to this wagon. She actually loves him. Like, she's like, don't you know, like, don't leave me and our unborn children, and blah 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 blah. More on that yeah. later. I have an issue with that motivation. Deuces. So anyway, uh, the new foreign power couple vows to take down Fjornir, and their first order of business is to make the whole camp trip balls on shrooms. Dude, I love this girl. Like, definitely I drink out of the red cups when she's around. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mushrooms are kicking in. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's, it's all good. I mean, it's about time, uh, which is during their victory celebration from the sports ball game. And that uh, allows uh, uh, <clears throat> Almeth to kill several of his uncle's men. 
uh, during the chaos. Uh, now, this is somehow blamed on the Christian slaves that I guess were there the whole time. I don't know. It's a thing. No, that was the uh, best line when he was like, their God is a zombie nailed to a tree. Yeah. They and, of course they did this. Yeah. And, and like Jesus, talk about a persecution complex. Oh God, blame it on the Christians. Jeez. All right. Uh, but anyway, this gives Almuth the chance to confront his mother in private who tells him he was conceived via rape and admits to ordering his father's murder as well as his own. Ouch. Uh, and then she tries to seduce him. Yes. She's the pragmatic uh, one. I, I feel uh, like she was kind of biting for time there. Like, I got to say something to fuck with him as much as possible. Is she, is, she, is she playing both sides so she comes out on top no matter oh, wait, what? So, so yes, really absolutely. Clear. So telling him he was born of rape and then saying, I wanted you to die because you're going to be like your miserable father wasn't enough to like buy some time while he was thinking she had to like, you know, what? but I'd also like to sleep with you. So. And again, up to that point, we've seen nothing about his father that would make us believe any of that or think less of him. Well, I mean, in fairness, they do have that lingering shot of the slaves that he's brought back to the village. When he shows back up, it's but, like, that, but his uncle's doing the same thing. So how's he? It's all. Yeah. It's all. They're all in the same playing Every, field. Everybody, everybody in this movie here. sucks. They're all yeah. scumbags. Yes, that is accurate. I, 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 I'm not sure how they're deciding who's worse. Everybody in the Dark Ages was a scumbag. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, and, and now you see the violence inherent in the system. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just yeah, a problem. Yeah, yeah they're the ones that made it. <laughs> when you're trying to have your movie make. Two hundred to three hundred million dollars, having it feature all horrible bastards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so uh, of course, uh, being seduced by his mother makes uh, Amleth understandably upset. So he proceeds to kill his cousin and steal his heart. <laughs> Metal, like, all right, <laughs> like that was cool. I mean, I'm not sure we're supposed to like him for that, but. Whatever. Oh no, that was the most satisfying kill of the whole movie. That guy sucked. That guy he, was he, terrible. And how could she want Amleth dead, but not that guy? Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. Just hear that guy talk for 15 minutes. I'm like, somebody kill this dude. He's such Ugh. a prick. Yeah. Almost mother rats him out uh, to his uncle and calls for his murder again. And Scar, I mean, Fjolnir, is prepared to murder Olga in retaliation. Sure. Uh, but Almuth offers his cousin's heart in exchange for Olga's life. And I guess they take the deal. Uh, he then gets his ass beat for his troubles in a very lackluster fight scene. So I'll say it now. I understand the timing and trying to let her get away thing. But the way the fight scene is shot is so weird because the first half of it, when he, he wrecks shop, everybody approaches him one-on-one -on -one in standard like hero moment fight scene style. And then, like, it takes a pause, and then they all jump him at the same time, like they would in real life, and they beat his ass. It's painfully it's like, slow. It's just it's a, a weird. It's a weird dynamic. I, there was definitely a way to shoot that fight scene to one make it more interesting, and two to make it more dynamic and fill up the time without having that weird phase one and yeah. phase two thing. If you're gonna uh, exhaustively research everything else and make it like so authentic, I don't know, maybe. Take you a couple days to rehearse some of the action. You, you could have just, just made it a more like dramatic scene and like had some yeah. kind of standoff between, you know, Almeth and his uncle and, and had her run off into the distance. And then once she clears the, the horizon, then they just beat his ass. So, I, this is this is after they explain the same. that 
if you once you get to this island, there's no getting out of this island. There's no place to go. It's just empty space. And these dipshits let this girl run away. They capture him 15 seconds later. Yep. Yeah, maybe like go after. I don't know. No. Uh, it, it's it's don't think too hard. The, the the spatial reasoning in this movie is very fuzzy. Don't don't worry yeah. about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he's captured. There's a torture scene. And in a strangely fantastical turn, he is freed from his shackles by ravens sent by the Allfather himself. Sure. Olga aids his escape, and the two make a run for it to start a new life together far away from Iceland. The reunion is short-lived, though, as Almuth has a vision of the twins Olga is carrying, and he realizes his family will never be safe with his uncle alive. So he jumps ship and swims back to complete his quest for revenge, and that's such a poorly set up turn there. Like at no point did he ever want children or want a family. His whole thing has just been revenge. But all of a sudden, now that he has a family, there's some like weird mystical through line where he's supposed to have some like maiden king or queen. So I, I, but all of a sudden, his motivation is to protect his children. Like at the snap of your fingers, drop of the hat. Oh, got to protect my kids now. Well, I yeah, mean, also sure. part of he's got to follow his destiny, which is to kill Fjolnir. Yeah. But to protect his kids, he could have just killed Fjolnir. Like, he should. Why did he leave then? Like, that, see, see what I'm saying? If that was his destiny, he shouldn't have left. Like, All I'm saying is, this tried to run got his a, destiny. It didn't work. This guy's got a sick breaststroke, like Michael Phelps of the Vikings. Dude can swim. <laughs> he can swim. Caught to that ship that was sailing away from him. Yeah, hey, at least we saw it twice, so we know it's, like, canonical. Dude can swim. Dude, Vikings, man. Yeah, I guess so. Winning races. Uh, Anyway, so once back at his uncle's farm, he wrecks shop, frees the slaves, kills his mother and his half-brother cousin, and is challenged to a final showdown with his uncle at the Gates of Hell, which is the conveniently located neighborhood volcano, like, just one field over from the zombie mound. Yeah, sure. Great. Um, Deserves to be airbrushed on a van. I'm sure it has Uh, been. An active volcano, although you could never tell it's an active volcano from the lusciously green island in which he inhabits. Which you never see in any of the shots of the movie. It's never in the background anywhere. Again, this is because they're always this. Everything in this movie, you have to take with a grain of salt. Like what's real? What is real? Well, I mean, it's like, so they're at the farm and then like one field over, there's a zombie mound with an uncle killing sword. You go another field over and there's a giant active volcano, all stuff you never see or never gets mentioned until the plot requires it. What again, this, this this movie has such, I'll go back to it between the zombie mound, the volcano being right there. And Oh, by the way, Hey, this ship's going to your uncle's farm. Like it's very convenient all the way through. Everything just seems to be right next door to each other. But whatever. It's all worked out very nicely. It's perfect. Yeah, as the plot required. So hey, do me a favor though, uh, Captain Cash. Can you can you kill the duel of fates or whatever for this fight scene? Does that does that work? Uh... I feel that's appropriate. Uh, anyway, I'm not gonna let you sully the duel of fates. Yeah, I'm, like I'm, that. I'm pretty sure if we try to play the duel of fates, we'll get in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'm Disney just owns that shit now. That's what I have we're to going fight. I'd have to fight John Williams naked on top of a volcano to get the rights to that song. Oh man, you could sell pay per view rights for that, but anyway, uh, so uh, 
on the on the volcano, uh, Amleth beheads his uncle as he is fatally stabbed. And as he is dying, he sees a vision of Olga and their children begging him to hold on. But sadly, he does not. We see a Valkyrie carry him off to Valhalla. So shiny. So chrome. The end. And then you hear a Morton Joe yell mediocre, and that sums up the whole <laughs> enterprise. I don't agree, but that's all right. I mean, it was ambitious, but... Ugh. All right, so let's give this movie our beer ratings. I'm going to give The Northman four 50-50 beers. Um, the pros, it looks great. There are some cool visuals, and the acting is generally solid across the board. Um, the cons, the action is lacking for the budget, and the fantasy elements don't always feel organic. And that final fight scene is shot way too dark, and there's reasons for that. And it definitely kind of felt like the end of like the Masters of the Universe movie. It, like, it almost felt like they ran out of money at the end, and they had to like, ah, we'll shoot it in the dark, get it done. It was it not very looked, satisfying. It looked pretty cheap, uh, which is why I'm 100% with you. This is two and two, two pain, because it is pretty boring. Even if you like Viking lore and mythology, it's pretty boring. And uh, two enjoyment. And if the action would have been better, I could see myself going three and one. It's just, it's just not. And like the whole commercials build this movie is like it's going to be this bloody action spectacular that feels authentic, and it's not at all. And that's disappointing to me. So yeah, I will say this: the action in the first half of the film is stronger than the second half. Which is a problem because it does not finish not, strong. Not, not saying a whole lot, but yes. Yeah. All right. You're the biggest fan here, Captain Cash. What's your beer rating? The movie is long. Mm-hmm. It, it just is. It's two and a half hours for what it is. It's long. Yeah. It's three. It's at least three beers for me. Uh, again, I enjoy the movie. I enjoy the imagery. I think it's a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, it's at least three beers. No, that's fair. That's fair. And. I wouldn't say this movie felt overly long, but you probably could have tightened it up. Dr. Bling, that leaves you. What's your beer rating? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all pretty much in agreement here that that you the beers are required for this. Um, I am going to go with five. Uh, three of them are Bold. enjoyment. And okay. the, the first one, you just have to like shotgun before the opening credits. Um just because you gotta you gotta start off with something. It, the movie kind of starts off with a, a lot of weirdness right away. So you gotta get that first one in you and then four for the remaining, you know, two hours and change. Oh, that seems fair. That seems fair. All righty. Well, we've covered the plot and our beer ratings. So let's take a break here and hear from our zombie mound dwellers over at the now defunct Hot Nation USA podcast. Rip buddies, we'll miss you. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We're still talking about last year's The Northman. Let's cover our general impressions of the film, and I do have a few questions for the panel. I'll start off with this one, guys. 
was the tone of this movie just too weird for general audiences? Is that is that its biggest fault? Uh, yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah, you're either on board with the weird and, or you're not. And I'm on board with the weird, which is why I like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it didn't turn me off at the same time. It didn't satisfy me. I think that's my biggest. I mean, I, I like weird stuff. I like stuff that's weird for the sake of weird, you know, post-mo. Well, yeah, this just didn't land for me. Like, I, there wasn't a payoff. Yeah, I, weird. Put, it, put it this way. I was watching it, and my wife was in the room, and it was the Bjork scene. And she's like, what the hell is this? Turn this off. She's like, watch this when I fall asleep. She's like, this is just too weird. She's like, I can't deal with this. Like, like all that stuff, I think is enough. fun, but I I think we're dancing around something we've kind of touched on before, but didn't really engage with. And the answer is, there's not really a good guy here. You don't actually want to root yeah. for anyone. And I think ultimately that's sort of the problem with the movie because, as we said, it's definitely Amleth's POV. He's unquestionably the hero, and when it ends he gets his happy ending. Like that's what Vikings want. He died in battle, avenging his father to protect his bloodline. And he gets and, to go to Viking heaven. And just like his father, they both wanted to die in battle by the sword. Yeah. And they effectively both got their happy endings. His dad right. was killed by his uncle, but he, he didn't die an old man. He died by the sword. So his dad cries Valhalla as he's, as he's stabbed. And then, his son avenges him as he was instructed to as a kid and fulfills his destiny. But I mean, the way we get there just, yeah. Anyway, if you want this to be more commercially viable, the lines have to be a little bit clearer. So for example, the mom can be terrible from the jump. You know, not to trust her. The dad is honorable. She can still say all the shit at the end about him being this horrible baby that she did not want but make it because she didn't love the dad and then make his quest a little more. Oh yes. I I'm rooting for this guy because he was wronged as a child and lost his father and they were going to kill him. But as you come to find out, he's just perpetuating this horrible cycle of violence and he's just also an awful human being. Yeah. And it's I mean, what, what you're describing, I think is the problem. Ultimately P- problems, not fair, but I think that's why it failed to connect with a lot of audiences because it's hard. It, this isn't easy to watch. Like everybody's bad, it, but well, even in the end, the guy who is bad still gets his happy ending. So it's like, well, but he's the le- he's a, he's he's the least bad, I guess. Is he? But I, I think uh, I think T Dubs is hitting on something. I understand this movie was striving for authenticity in the way it portrayed the characters and, and the culture and all that stuff. But the way the movie's written and the dialogue is also it's not like it's not satisfying to like a a general audience. Like the characters don't communicate in a way that's relatable. Everything is just like overly dramatic melodrama stuff that that no one seems like a real human being in this. And, And I think there's an element of that that's lost. I agree with that. The one thing I think is funny though, is like if it had just been taken the perspective of, Klaus Bang's character, the uncle Fjolnir, like especially in the back half of the movie, Fjolnir seems like a pretty okay dude compared but to everybody else. It's, like again, it's not clear how he's any worse than Ethan Hawke. He, he doesn't appear to be. In fact, he he he's got a level head. Wife and children. If you flip this movie around, 
and make the uncle the main character and turn Almeth into Michael Myers. That's an interesting movie. And the twist can be at the end, he wasn't the bad guy. You find out the uncle's a piece of shit at the end. That's an interesting concept. But well, I mean, I mean the thing that but that's a different movie, don't get me wrong. It, the thing that remains crazy to me, the uncle and Amleth basically get the same ending. The uncle is gonna go to Valhalla too. So theoretically, yeah, again, no one's killed, worse than the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. He killed his uncle, but his uncle killed him. And his uncle killed the guy that killed his wife and kids. So it's like, well, I got my vengeance in the end, too, I guess. Yeah, they're having beers together in like two minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing about Valhalla, too, is that the guys go out during the day. They cut each other up. Yeah. And then they they, drink. They they wake up the next day. They're whole again. They they drink beer and do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little whatever. I'm just going to say I'm with Jumpzilla. It's never clear that Ethan Hawke is any worse than the uncle, aside from what the movie writes into the script Mm. through words, which is just them explaining it, which then cheapens it. Because like if the movie opens with some sort of, you know, woman crying as she's giving birth to what she considers to be this monstrous baby, just visually, he has just like he shows so much except for things that narratively actually matter. Right. I, I think again, the movie spends too much time post time jump. They needed another like fifty they should have shifted 15 minutes of the post time jump into the pre-time jump to give some more motivation to the characters uh you know before before we move into quote unquote present time. I mean, because yeah, we there's no there's nothing in the movie that tells us that Ethan Knox a bad guy, except that he is or whatever. What's his name? No, I mean it's it's the cool kid. And and she's the one that says he's bad, and it's like, yeah, if she you seems tired to murder your husband and marry his killer and take over the kingdom, like, of course that's how you would spin it, and you might even believe that craziness. That's how all this stuff works, man. Like this is well, yeah, and just like I said earlier, when you watch the movie a second time, you realize she is laughing, uh, while while uh, she's supposedly supposed to be crying. But it is very clear too when you watch that very first scene again that she is fixated on the uncle. Yeah, she's but, like, "Where is the uncle? Oh, here's my cup." And that's and then you've got Willem Dafoe's character as the court gesture, jester, excuse me, hopping up to kind of like call her out on like, "Oh, look, the queen's cup is wet for another man." And he does this whole. It's like it's okay. Hold on, it is clear that she's not she's things aren't on the up and up and there's the whole weird scene when young uh almeth like bursts into her chamber and she's like oh you know oh you you have to announce yourself because she's probably banging the uncle yeah so a lot like tommy boy a little bit but he's got a right so break you watch it again but at the same time it's like that's just cliche bullshit that's not really interesting no, but but the point is, is, like at the end, why do I believe her when she says that the king is bad? Like just because, because she hates him and she's screwing around behind his back, don't make him a bad dude. Like, agreed. She's clearly of dude, an unreliable. Bad, like, good guys get cheated on. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. There's no reason to trust her over any other character we've seen because again, I have less reason to trust her. Like I, I think she's the least reliable person in the story. Like of course she's going to make the victim of the crime that she committed out to be the bad guy. Yep. Aside from exposition, there's no reason to believe anything she says. Uh, so this movie was released in the spring, guys. Is that a mistake? It's just because I, I have to admit, like, this does not feel like a spring movie to me or even a summer movie. 
Like uh, it's not when, like it's when, not bright, uh, fun, or light. Like this. Is yeah. A, so what is it? So it's a Christmas movie? Like what is it? Is uh, it January dumping fall, ground. Fall. It's winter. a winter solstice film. You gather the family around. You yeah. have a big bonfire. You probably sacrifice an outsider to Odin. Mm-hmm. Watch the heartwarming tale that is the Northman. Yeah, I would say yeah. actually. The yeah. opening scene of this movie starts with a snowstorm framing everything that we see and everybody snowed in. You spend an extra 20 minutes with the snowed in Vikings. You, you release this in November. Might have helped it. That might have been worth $10 million, well, in my opinion. This, this movie I, is fairly awards baity. So yeah. it feels like it would be November or into the early next year. So it's fresh in like awards voters' minds. Because that's what this is going for. This is an expensive pres- prestige picture. Yeah, it's not a sure. blockbuster. This is not a tentpole franchise builder. No. I mean, honestly, I, I think the thing that, that hurt this the most was not the season in which it was released. It was that it was just marketed poorly. Like, A, I didn't hear about it in the spring. I don't remember hearing about it. But I think, like, they would have had better luck selling this as like the origins of Hamlet and really leaning heavier into that than another Viking piece. Like to the point we made <laughs> so, earlier, so your, like your, your target demographic here, Dr. Blang is English majors. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of English majors like John Wick too, but I just like the, the, I think the point is like, you know, like, oh, it's one of the greatest stories ever told and, and lean in on this because it's, it's a classic. It's a classic. It's, but if all you're selling um, is another an, another hack up Viking movie, like yeah. like you said, th- there already was the show Vikings. There was like six movies that came out. I played the Assassin's Creed game. Just fun. I like that game. It's a great game. Right. And like right. and so I'm just kind of I was like seeing it. Like, I didn't have to watch this movie. I was like, yeah, I already saw it six times. Yeah. So here's what I propose. You lean into that. You're right, Blake. You get the music from the Batman Begins trailer. And it starts off with, like, some horrific font that says, you've heard of Hamlet, but wait till you meet Amleth. And then the cue the 90s music about a boy who lost his dad. Yeah. I would be much more likely to go see that movie than I was this. I just saw a bloody dude, and I was like, ugh. God, who cares? He's Not on a again. quest for revenge, but on yeah, the way, he's going like, to make a lot of new friends. Oh, somebody murdered a Viking's dad, and he's got to get revenge, or he won't get to Valhalla? Like, heard it before, man. Wind it up. I know. <laughs> Maybe the real Valhalla is the friends we made along the way. Oh, jeez. All right, I want to get to some critiques of the film here. Um, this is probably one of my bigger issues with the movie, just from like a nitpicky standpoint. How dumb was it for Alma's uncle and cousin to antagonize him and like talk shit and then keep him as a slave on the farm? Like they clearly like eyeballed him was like, oh, you look like you might be a bit of a hassle, buddy, but we're going to keep you anyway. You're like, a giant dude who clearly is a warrior. Yeah. Ah, but I mean, like, you know, mind the sheep if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're never going to cause any problems. We're going to keep you, pal. Look, guys, just you don't have to tell us that you've never been on a farm before, but in case you're wondering, you don't turn away the big, strong guy. Those guys usually come in really, really handy on a farm oh, I'm in the sure, dark ages. I'm sure, until they murder you in your sleep. Well, hey, man, don't be a slaver. To be I fair, mean, uh, yeah. that's why goes they, around, asked comes him, around. Uh, they asked him what his stance on cutting out people's hearts was, and he just kind of went, Ugh. They're like, ah! he's good. It's good Which, to go. 
honestly, that's one of the historical accurate elements to this. Like in the original, like fable, he basically fang, uh, feigns, excuse me, being an imbecile to try to like hide his intentions. So that's, that's he tries to go with like that, like the, the Lenny from Mice and Men situation. Yeah, sort of. Tell me like, about the Valkyries again, George. Yeah. Tell me about the Valkyries. So like that was a little, I think that was a nod to that. But still, I was like, this is a really stupid idea. Like, just like, well, yeah, we're, you know what? Like you're, see, to your point, uh, Blake, uh, there's like a scale and he's like just too far. He's past the like useful strong. He's into the like murders in our sleep strong. You nip that in the bud. You don't, you don't foster that. I'm Who sorry. else is going to be the captain of their murder Quidditch team? Do you see the rest I mean, of the guys they sent out there? Uh, Come on. Enough. I mean, I didn't know this was going to go straight up like NCAA on us, but that makes sense. I would give a lot of money to watch Patrick Swayze's gang play that versus War Child's gang. So just get the two gangs from Point Break and let them mm-hmm. play Murder Quidditch. It'd be way more intense. Back off, War Child. See, I thought he... When he said Patrick Swayze, I was thinking he was going with the greasers <laughs> from Outsiders. Oh, yeah. I was the socialist. Take that, Tony Boy. Another mm-hmm. better, better rumble. So, again, just to continue to kind of critique the film a bit here, the action of the third act, as I said before, all kind of fell flat. And that final fight was shot way too dark. And I get it because the director originally wanted to be nude. And since he couldn't get the nudity, he just decided to shoot it in the dark. Okay. But for a movie with plenty of fantasy elements, why is the action in the scene like that so bland? I think it was probably leaning pretty heavy into it's cool enough that they're fighting on an active volcano with lava and shit. Hoping that would carry. Right? So like, that's like, that's like your money shot. And then he's like, "Eh, I'm going to shoot it in the dark. Listen, you can complain about a lot, but you know what you can't complain about? Willem Dafoe's head when he appears with the witch, mm. the he-witch. Mm. You immediately clock that as Willem Dafoe's head, despite the fact that it's clearly desiccated. You're like, nope, nope, nope. Again, that's like another know what that thing. is. They, they don't really, you know, I guess if you knew that that was a thing Vikings did, then you would know. But otherwise, you're just like, huh, all right. I don't okay. know that like taking heads was a thing. Oh, I, yeah. I knew it was a thing from Hamlet where where it's Yorick, but I just kudos to the prop master who was responsible for creating Willem Dafoe's desiccated head. Oh, you know it's a 10 thing. For 10 for crushed it. You've got those necro pants. Oh man. <laughs> Imitation necro pants. <laughs> Google that listeners. So apparently don't because Google I did that, listeners. I did do research on this that the Vikings would take the flesh or a body part of a of a foe, or somebody that they thought they could keep uh, get gain their wisdom through that and those necro pants, which again you you kind of wear around like Wranglers. You're like the Brett Favre with jeans, you with necro pants. <laughs> <laughs> gross. At least I'm not wearing Crocs. Crocs are grosser than necro pants. I mean, they could be necro Crocs, right? <laughs> I, I I posit all Crocs are necro Crocs. They are very reasonable garden clogs. Thank you. Okay, so I've got one last question for the panel here. 
was the movie's biggest mistake not working in a high ground reference during that climatic volcano fight? I mean, I, I think the greatest mistake is when he finally unsheathed Draugr, which is his magic sword, that it didn't at least glow blue or red. Ah, that's see again. It's weird they don't use the any fantastical elements in that final fight. You're right. That that's that would have helped. That would have added to the drama. The only thing I'm going to say here, and you can just take this as a yes, is it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. You've lost. I mean, come on. In this movie, we've got child murder, twins to fulfill a prophecy, a volcano sword fight. I mean, did somebody just watch The Revenge of the Sith or what? Amleth, you were the chosen one. You were supposed I, to save the Viking, not destroy us. I I just, you know, I, I wanted the uncle to get smug and say, ah, seed your, seed your advances. I have the high ground. And then get, you know, it's it would have been great. Like, the memes would have been epic. They just, Only they, a berserker deals in absolutes. Yeah, see, they could have done something there that would have been great. I don't know. Might have saved the whole movie, I'm just saying. Disney would have sued him. Probably. Tell your dick swinging Viking to stop uttering our words. We owe this pay three billion dollars for those words. You know, all, ours. All kidding aside, though, that the final fight scene that seems like a really weird hill to die on. Like, I want the dudes to be naked. That's a very strange hill to die on. But why? You know. Like, because what other what other movie has naked dudes fighting in it that's not Eastern Promises? Maybe there's not enough. Got me in a box know, here. Okay, you know, I mean, it's a good point. But I feel like that's, yeah, I don't, that's not where I'm pinning the hopes of my 60 to $90 million movie on. Like, okay, they, they can wear thongs, whatever. How dare you want my my appropriately naked Vikings who are going to fight to the death wearing loincloths? And honestly, Captain Cash is the resident expert here. Is that even like a legit thing? Do they like famously duel naked for uh, honor. I think berserkers famously didn't wear clothes into battle, but naked duel, I don't know. Also, yeah. how many volcanoes were there in that area that this would be like a thing that happens a lot? Well, so that's like a legit volcano uh in Iceland, and it's like one of the most active volcanoes in the region. So that's not wholly inaccurate. I'm just so a little upset that everything in this movie is like conveniently next door to each the, other. The volcano is actually just a metaphor for those two who were actively orgasming the entire time they were fighting, thinking about going to Valhalla. So that was that's you know just some more artsy fartsy stuff he threw in there. In case you're that was the real reason why they had to film it in the dark was because of the fear boners. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, good lord. The real right. sword fight was not done with metal. Oh, but hard iron. But anyway, uh, all right, listener, we need to freshen up our brews ahead of the competitive portion of the pod. But first, here's a word from our woven entertainment Viking berserker brothers from another mother at the Double Turn podcast. Podcast. 
Hey everyone, it's the J-Man and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at wabamentertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. It is finally time for the War Raven Trivia Challenge. Skull. All right, gentlemen, standard format five questions, multiple choice, and tonight you'll be playing for a bootleg copy of that uh, uncut, fully nude final fight scene from the top of the volcano. I stole it from Bjork's private collection myself. I find it not at all surprising that Bjork Mm -hmm. has that. In fact, I would be more surprised if she didn't. Who could blame her? But anyway... She also has Willem Dafoe's severed head. Oh... What we've been seeing is a robot Defoe. Live action decoy. Life model decoy. Life there model decoy. Yeah. Anyway, tonight's chimes are Skull, Sweet Silver, or Hard Iron, or any of the pod standards. Good luck, gentlemen. I'm chiming in with Defoe bot for the rest of the night. I'll accept it. <laughs> Question number one. Several cast members received gifts after shooting ramped. Kidman received a sword. Bjork received three horses. What was Alexander Skarsgård's rap present? Was it A, a battle axe, B, a bloody thong, C, amulet necklace, or D, the war raven crown? Parts and tarts. Captain Cash. Gotta be the war raven crown, right? You'd think, but that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Bling Blake, Thunderous Wizard, can you steal? Hard iron. Oh, all right. That's T-dubs. I feel like he got the necklace. I'm afraid almost necklace is incorrect. I'm sorry. All right. You've got a 50-50 here, Dr. Bling. Is it a battle axe or a bloody thong? I mean, I feel like... All the low-hanging fruit has been taken, so let's just go for weird and go with the bloody thong? Going for weird with a weird movie. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. And that, sir, is correct. It was the bloody thong that he wore for a week while shooting that final fight scene. Thanks for letting me go last, guys. I appreciate it. Super weird gift. That is a uh, super weird gift. Does that count as a gift? I feel like I got to be like... I feel like he earned it? Yeah. Do you, do you do you frame that and put it up next to the bar? The uh the bloody thong is next to his signed picture of his dad, Colin Firth, and Pierce Brosnan from Mamma Mia 2. So uh anyway, all right. Hey, that's one Mamma Mia, here we go again. Oh no. All right, that's one point for Bling Blake. He is in the lead as we work our way to question number two. The ancient game, not a leaker depicted in the film is generally considered to be an early version of many modern sports. Which of these sports is not 
one of them? Is it A, broom ball? Is it B, field hockey? Is it C, lacrosse? Or is it D, rugby? Parts and tarts. That's Captain Cash. Lacrosse, because that's a Native American sport. Uh, that is correct. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, apparently, uh, in fact, broom ball is considered to be like the most accurate modern version of the sport. Because although depicted being played in a muddy field in this movie, according to historical records, it was actually played on frozen tundra. I see icy ton field stuff. So yeah. It's basically it is a precursor to field hockey and regular hockey and, and broom ball, those types of sports. So yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, hey, we've got a contest here. That's one point for Bling and one point for Captain Cash. Don't worry, you've got three more chances here there, T dubs. Question number three. Ian White, the actor that plays the mound dweller, is no stranger to fantasy properties. I've already mentioned he was one of the actors that played The Mountain That Rides. Uh, he's been in several, including the Predator films. Which one of these Predator movies did he star in? Is it A, Prey? B, The Predator? C, Predators? Or D, Aliens vs. Predators? Parts and Darts. Part Iron. Oh, I'm sorry, Bling. That is Captain Cash. Predators. Oh, see, Predators. That is incorrect. Hard iron. Uh, let's hear it, Bling. He's in Prey. He is not in Prey. I am sorry. Oh, I thought he was the... I thought I read about this. All right. No, different different basketball player. Uh, uh, European basketball player uh, in this case. But... Balls. All right. T-Dubs, you've got a chance to get on the board here. You've got a 50-50. He can grunt. He can't kill. He's the Viking King. See, now I worked in ABBA. Oh, my God. Well done. Like I, I'm impressed. I'm well impressed. done. I, yeah, I mean, wow. Um, wow. I'm going Alien versus Predator. That is correct. I think he just did stunts in that movie technically, but he was he played all the Predators at some point in that film. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was in Requiem as well. Good for All him. right. Good. Well, hey, we've got a three-way tie here. That is one, one to one across the board as we head into question number four. When Amleth kills the Mound Dweller zombie, he places the severed head by its butt, which was believed to be one of the ways to prevent it from rising again, according to legend. What is the other method, according to medieval Icelanders, to keep zombies from rising again? Is it A... To kill it with fire. B, to drive a wooden stake through its heart. C, to remove its tongue. Or D, all of the above. I mean, farts and tarts, and I'll take all of the above. Bold choice there, Captain Cash, but that is incorrect. Oh, whoa. Usually it's always all of the above, right? Darn. I was using my test taking skills there. That's, uh, hey, no, no, not a bad bet. They all seem reasonable, but I believe I heard Bling Blake chime in. I did, although I didn't really wait for another break. Sorry, if you want to. It's all good. Um, I'm going to go with fire. Kill it with fire. That is correct. White Walkers, baby. Yeah. Why we didn't get that, I don't know. Also, Ian White, the guy that played the zombie dude, also a White Walker in Game of Thrones. Huh. 
So that gives you the lead bling heading into the last question. You've got two points versus the one amongst the other contestants. Question number five. Although she plays Alexander Skarsgård's mother, Nicole Kidman isn't that much older than the actor. What is their actual age uh, difference? Is it A, six years, B, nine years, C, 12 years, or D, they're the same age? Little Amleth, you must kill Fulier. My, my, how can... Okay, now it's getting weird, T-Dubs, but that's you. That's six years. That is incorrect. Oh, I'm son sorry. of a bitch. That's six. Can First someone steal? It's, it's super creepy that he played... Uh, Hard a... Iron? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. Blake, <laughs> Blake, what? what you got? For the well, win. If it's not six, got to be nine, right? It, it is, is nine, nine years. Nine. Uh, so he's like 20 years older than his paramour in the movie, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy. And I was just saying it's creepy that he was married to Nicole Kidman and he was the bastard husband in Big Little Lies. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I saw that. And he's he's only he's only six years younger than Ethan Hawk. Now, I th- I find that funny because I saw that online too. And I'm like, yeah, but wait a minute, Ethan Hawk dies. He never he never plays adult scars guards father nicole kidman and his uncle simply don't age at all in the film not, not uh, a year I mean, not a day he at least gets gray and shut up captain Cass, bangs shut up shut up this is as bad as it's a wonderful life where jimmy stewart's the same character and everybody else has to age around him it doesn't make any sense those two characters don't age at all in the film it makes no sense and there's no fantastical element to explain either, except maybe they're both evil. I don't know. Maybe that's the true sign that they're the bad guys. They don't age. Who knows? They're vampires. All right. Anyway, let's get into recommendations. And uh, Captain Cash, you go first, buddy. You seem very excited. Speaking of vampires, that's going to be my recommendation because Klaus Bang plays Dracula in the Netflix BBC produced show Dracula. Also, Defoe and Ethan Hawke are both in Daybreakers, which is an awesome vampire movie. That's Ethan Hawke and Defoe's only other collaboration between this film. And before Alexander Skarsgård was beating up Nicole Kidman on HBO, he was a fangbanger in True Blood. And what was his last name? Northman. Oh my God, it's all connected. The full circle is complete. Nicole Kidman had to have been a vampire in something at one point, right? I mean, she was married to Tom Cruise. So I meant other than real life. Oh. Uh, Dr. Bling, what do you have? Well, uh, treading on the theme of gratuitous male nudity um i finally checked out uh welcome to chippendales uh starring our favorite eternal kumail nanjiani Mm -hmm. uh you can find that on hulu and it's a really good like true crime story um i did not know about the the cd well that level of seediness origins of chippendales so you're telling me it's not just Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley dancing. Who there, knew? There's more to it? Oh, wow. Okay. There, by the time that happened, there was already murder and intrigue surrounding the Chippendales name. 
Oh wait, there's um, murder in this shit. I gotta. Oh watch yeah, this. it's fantastic. It's really really good. Um, I, I was I was surprised. It was on Hulu, and I was like, oh, you know, fine, I'll I'll watch this. It keeps coming up. And, so uh, hold, hold I love on. Camille Nanjiani. Let, let's take inventory here. There's murder and dong. You know, it's you actually don't see any dong. Oh. Uh, there are plenty of g strings, but okay, no dong. Well, no dong gets hung. Okay. Um, and even though Kamel Nanjiani got beefed up for his uh, superhero role, he is he plays like the founder of Chippendale, so he doesn't ever take his suit and tie off. Why? That was okay. You were... I just feel bad for that guy. He got hyperjacked, and it's like, eh, I don't I mean, don't worry about it. I mean, right? And everybody was mean to him on the internet when he did it too. Wasn't very nice. And then I also caught the uh, the premiere of Last of Us last night, uh, or on yeah, I watched it last night because I was watching a football game on Sunday. Um, it was awesome. If you guys like uh, that game, it's going to be a really good show. I think it's going to be be awesome. It also, uh, I was a little put off by the time jump in that because uh, Pedro Pascal does not appear to age twenty three years. Uh, Gray hair. Broken down as as hell. Right, that, that was a weird, a weird. That's just, that's just a weird. It was a weird because I'm like twenty. I had to rewind. Did I say twenty three years? What twenty? Like, he's only twenty. I think it's only supposed to be ten in the game. Yeah, which well, whatever. Would, I think a little bit more believable. Oh, is the, is the big brother? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they have to like in the settings in the game. They they the the world has pretty much like fallen down. You know, like. Yeah skyscrapers are tipped over and you know it's like the world is crumbling and 10 years on like the buildings would be just fine i watched it too it seemed fine yeah i think it's gonna be good i'm looking forward to it no right on all right so uh here's my recommendation it is viking themed sort of uh there is a really interesting somewhat long and drawn out documentary kind of like this movie on tubi go figure titled until the light takes us and it was released in 2008 and it focuses on a weird small group of norwegian death metal bands that sort of started like a weird social movement and they got really some of the guys got really into their nor like their scandinavian heritage and they kind of uh resented the church the the, the christian churches for coming into their countries and erasing their Viking heritage. And so some of the guys got super militant about reclaiming it. And they ended up burning a bunch of per- uh, churches down in the nineties. And there was a couple of murders. Uh, so there's a little bit of murder mystery intrigue as well. There uh, so were a couple of murders. Couple that, of murders as you might expect. Several uh, churches burnt, a lot of arson. And some of the guys end up in jail. And there's, it just, it's really interesting because it's very much like the uh, Scandinavian or like I, I even argue like just a general European analog to the, the U.S. Uh, satanic panic um, because it was really just a small group of kids. It wasn't like a big thing, but like, I, I mean, I, I was vaguely aware of this, had heard of it because of the, the bands that were involved. They were kind of infamous. Uh, but yeah, Until the Light Takes Us is the title of the documentary. It's on Tubi. It's a co- on a couple other streaming services for free too. But yeah, it's really kind of crazy to watch. Like these kids definitely went down like the wrong rabbit hole. It's uh, it's cool. So sorry I drug on there a bit, but uh, T Dubs, what's your recommendation? Okay, so I am gonna recommend what I think is a 
better historical uh, film. Uh, and the action in it is certainly better. And that is The Woman King, which is about a tribe of women warriors uh, of the Dahomey. They're called the Abuja. And uh, it stars Viola Davis, um, the person who plays Maria Rambo in uh, Captain Marvel. She's in it as well as, as another of the Abuja. It's a really good movie. And it's, you know, if you enjoy Black Panther, the Dormelage are based on these African warriors. So it's really cool to see their actual story, uh, especially being these really proud and important warriors in a, in a country that was very steep in the patriarchy, much like most countries at the time, but, and working within that, that sort of world. And uh, they end up going to war with a rival tribe. It's a good movie. Check it out. No, right on. Good recommendation there, T-Dubs. All right. And then I believe the next uh, movie we're doing is going to be 3,000 Years of Longing. What is, is that? Yes, George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing, which he sh- shot in between getting ready for uh, Furiosa. What, what What is that? Should I know what that is? 3,000 Years of Longing is uh, what uh, I've seen described as adult Aladdin. So got a genie. So Idris Elba is a djinn who's awoken by a uh, oh a woman. Uh, she's a professor of antiquities or something, and she discovers him. And then basically, I think the movie is all about like, listen, it's really important to think about what you want in life because a lot of times when you wish for things, it's for the wrong reasons. And then he mm-hmm. tells stories. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know. Do we get a a Robin Williams? The hologram? No, no. Which, literally, I think mm-hmm. the only two people you'll recognize from the cast are Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, who's the female lead. Oh, the ancient one. Okay, that sound again. That kind of sounds like might have been awards bait, maybe. I mean, they, I, it screened at Venice, um, and it was mm-hmm. you know it was like trying to gain some steam coming out of the festival circuit, and uh, nobody saw it, so. All right. Well, we'll have to check that out then. Well, already, as always, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Captain Cash is at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social medias. And the Thunder Wizard can be found on Twitter at WriterTLK. And don't forget, Bling Blake does the Twitters from at Bling Blake. And you can check us out on Wobam Entertainment at wobamentertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And you can always drop us a line on the socials. (sighs) Gentlemen, hear me, Budweiser. All father of domestic macro brews. Summon the haze of our past pods when the promise of better beer ruled the fates of drunks. Here of hoppy vengeance, quenched before the pain of hot snakes at the fiery gates of hell. Drunks destined for a hangover. <laughs>